Welcome to The Body Nerd Show. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and after a decade in the fitness industry, I've finally cracked the code on how you can build sustainable strength without getting hurt. I'm a coach, writer, yogi, kettlebell devotee, lover of lifting heavy things, and 100% a body nerd. So stick with me, and I'll teach you how to make body maintenance and movement mastery a fundamental part of your wellness routine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 97 of The Body Nerd Show. On today's episode, I'm joined by somatic therapist, coach, and educator, Raina Legrand, and we're chatting about how emotions and trauma are held in the body, if pigeon pose and stretching your hips will really release your feelings, and the best ways to reconnect with your body, especially when breathing feels stressful. Now, it is no surprise right? We've been talking about stress forever, it feels like, um, because now when every day is literally a historical event, it is super stressful to be a human in the modern world. So when I met Raina at a networking event through a mutual friend, and the minute she opened her mouth, I knew that I had to get here on this podcast so that we could talk about her work. I've said this before, but your body, your mind, and your spirit are all interconnected. They're all one, and that one is you. And so to think about the body as just the movement piece or just the mind piece kind of leaves you fractured in different parts. So Raina and her work as a somatic therapist, as a coach, and as an educator specializing in trauma, oppression, and body liberation is such a fascinating conversation and deep dive into ways we can help our nervous system feel more safe, uh, but also more connected to those around us. With the pandemic and social distancing, it's all about keeping your distance and staying away from other people not within your bubble, but on a human level, right? Humans are social creatures. So this conversation is so fascinating and I have so many things I'm still thinking about from it and I know that you're absolutely going to love it. Raina is licensed with a master's in social work. She has a master's in public health. She's a certified yoga teacher and has a background in health education and coaching with extensive training in somatic trauma treatment, including sensory motor psychotherapy and movement for trauma, which she'll talk more about in this interview. And what I love most is she helps you feel better in your body and in your relationships, right? You and your body and your mind and your heart and your soul are one. So while today's conversation is not about fixing your ankle, it is absolutely about fixing your ankle and helping you to reconnect with all of the parts that make you, you. So enjoy today's conversation. All right, Raina, thank you so much for joining us today. And I always like to start every conversation with the same question. And that is, what do you like to nerd out about? Well, hi. Yeah, I'm excited to be here today. Um, I'm definitely a big nerd about a lot of things. (laughs) Um, You know, I've always been a movement nerd. I grew up dancing and then, you know, um, have always been active and, and certified yoga teacher Um, I still enjoy dancing. I'm interested in maybe starting some Tai Chi during the pandemic. Um, Yeah. So I just love exploring different forms of movement that feel good and 
kind of studying, you know, what those practices and lineages bring. And then I'm also really interested in like intersections between things that either we haven't discovered the connection between or maybe the connection between those two things, you know, isn't well known or has sort of been like invisibilized through colonization. So, you know, like the connection between emotions and physical sensation, digestion and mental health, culture and healing. I've been learning a lot lately just about indigenous and ancestral ways of healing that Mm -hmm. are kind of what research now proves today, but have been known and embodied for, you know, centuries. So I nerd Mm -hmm. out on like recognizing those connections. Yeah. Well, and I think too of like the ancestral ways of healing and processing and just like being and existing, technology doesn't erase any of that. And so I guess the question is for you, do you feel like more people are becoming aware of some of these more like holistic and almost like ancient ways of healing now? Yeah, definitely. Um, And, you know, I think we have social media to thank for that, which is also complicated because then folks are getting maybe sort of a surface level and feeling like they know more or don't know where to go if they want to know more. But I do think social media is um, one of the places where healers have been able to connect, you know, from all different places. And I think like, you know, there's a lot of people maybe within that who have pieces, right? And now we can sort of piece it all back together. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I was so interested and excited to talk with you today is because of your background in somatics and somatic therapy. And could you just explain like what somatics are for people who aren't familiar? Yeah, so somatics is a bit of an umbrella buzzword um, that I would say captures various fields and approaches that focus on the body. And again, a lot of those, I think, have roots in indigenous forms of healing. You know, think about like yoga and meditation. And now, you know, in the Western world and in my field, you know, Western psychology and mental health has sort of run with it. So, so in my work, it's really about recognizing the role of the nervous system in um, our ability to protect ourselves or feel like we can protect ourselves, but also in the ways that we are able to connect with other people. You know, we're creatures of connection. So somatics is about bodies, but it's, it's not really about individual bodies. It's really about how all of our bodies are interrelated and interdependent. Mm, Yeah. And the last, you know, almost year now of the pandemic, there's been a huge, you know, shift in how we relate to one another. Like, how have you seen that showing up in your world? Yeah, so interesting. I'm like, kind Mm -hmm. of like having this zoom out moment. I'm like, what's happened over the last year? (laughs) You know, I think like, I think so in my work, I one of the approaches I use is parts work. And that, you know, we all kind of talk about ourselves as like, oh, part of me feels this way and a part of me feels that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one um, therapy um, approach that I've really taken on. 
And I think I recognize both in myself and in other people, like there are parts of us that are like, connect, connect, right? Reach out, reach out. Like I, you know, people were texting people they hadn't spoken to in years back in March of 2020, you know? (laughs) And at the same time, then, you know, there's also this impulse, I think, to hide and to like self-protect. And especially Mm -hmm. where, you know, the political scene has become so much more volatile and dynamic. I think that, you know, we're sort of stuck a little bit on like, okay, do I reach out or don't I? And the virus complicates that, right? Because it's literally not safe to see each other. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really confusing for us and for our, our bodies and systems in general. Yeah. I mean, even so I have two sets of new neighbors and I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I should like make some cookies and then take it over. And I was like, but there's so many, like, I wouldn't necessarily want to eat cookies that some stranger brought over, you know? And so it really has just put, I don't want to say like a stop because I think you do have to be more creative about how you connect. um, But it definitely has stopped me from taking quicker action. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's like painful, you know, it's, it's, painful to not be able to share or receive in the ways that you want to. And, you know, I feel like I would, I would be even there, that part of me that would want to reach out to my neighbors would also be stronger right now. Right. Knowing like, Oh gosh, we're all going through this collective experience right now. We know how much we're all struggling. Yeah. Well, and I guess too, uh, you know, we had scheduled this conversation, um, back in December. So now it's Mm -hmm. in January. We are just a little over a week apart from the attack on the Capitol. And I know when we first started recording, just like, how are you? Um, Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure like many people listening, we're tired (laughs) to say it like lightly. So I mean, I know like there's no right answer, but just how are you navigating just life right now with every day literally being a day of history that will be, you know, in the history books? Like how as these living, breathing, feeling, connecting beings, like do we also navigate that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, this is something that I think, and and the the same is true for the pandemic as the attack on the Capitol last week, there are similarities and differences. And I think how we're all feeling this, you know, I think for me as a black woman, it's sort of old news to me, (laughs) right? I'm a little numbed out. And I think in part, in part, it's, it's not a surprise. Right. And in part, that's my nervous system sort of protecting me from the chaos. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Embodied in me is, generations of um oppression and defeat right Mm -hmm. um and at the same time also embodied in me are generations of you know persistently keeping going despite all that like trauma and oppression right and so I've been really grateful for the friends of mine who have reached out and just said how are you feeling how can I support you do you feel safe right what will we do if violence comes to our area? Um, and I think like for, for folks who may not have identified as very political for a while, right. Or like people who have been able to 
sort of had the privilege of that, right? You're, you're realizing now that the political is personal. And so I think like conversations around political safety aren't commonplace in all people, right. And families, Mm -hmm. but I think having conversations about things, even if it feels like, "Eh, you know, nothing's going to happen, right. We're safe, whatever. I think that's an opportunity to just connect and to feel supported on a nervous system level. Yeah. Well, And, you know, I've always said since the beginning of this show that body, mind and spirit are all one when it comes to like who you are as a person. And, you know, while it may seem like, well, how does this relate to my sprained ankle? You know, we can't separate the emotions and experiences that our bodies and our nervous systems are experiencing whether it's like directly in person or even just through a screen like it truly is all so interconnected yeah absolutely absolutely yeah I think for those who are able to you know I do I live alone I have a dog which is amazing I don't know how Mm -hmm. I would have lasted last year without her but Mm -hmm. you know I've been forcing myself to get outside and and have bonfires just to be around people, even if we're 10 feet away and we're wearing masks and it's like once a week, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause we really do need that felt sense of other people to, to regulate our nervous system and to keep going. Yeah. Now when you like, obviously like connection, what are some other just like strategies or tools or things that you do for yourself to get more grounded, more centered, and just feel like even just more connected to yourself. Yeah, I try to move every day, which also has been hard. I think there are days where we are just exhausted, you know, mm-hmm. and I think there's, I think there's a place for those days, right? Like, oh, totally. I think there are days when you just have to lay on the couch all day long. But I, I've been trying to move every day in a way that feels good. I'm constantly having conversations with friends and clients, sort of unlearning what I think maybe might be familiar to a lot of your listeners, which is like, you got to work out every day, right? Or you've got to get your workout in and it's got to be in a specific way. Um, But I think sometimes what happens when we're really overwhelmed is then we just, we either overdo it or we just don't do it at all. And mm-hmm. so I actually think, I don't know who coined this. You've probably seen this on Instagram and the internet, but movement snacks yeah. is where it's at, I think. Bits of movement throughout the day. You know, if you've got it in you to go on a run or spinning or whatever, that's great. But um, I need like free movement that gets my heart rate up, like dance and shaking around. And I've really, I've really started to kind of go back to my like, little girl Raina in her bedroom pretending she's Destiny's child and Brady Spears plays during the pandemic. Yes, same. <laughs> um, same. That's all we can do, right? Yeah. Oh man, I mean, every night when I'm cooking dinner, like I have music on, I'm dancing and just being ridiculous because it's like, why not? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I've been trying to just like be more intentional around fun and pleasure, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's something we either can like overdo or not do at all. But being intentional about, you know, at least making sure every now and then I'm cooking something, you know, that maybe takes a little while, <laughs> or you know, that I'm painting instead of just watching The Bachelor. 
you know. Um, <laughs> the last that season little, was like, really juicy, wasn't it? Of the Bachelorette. I don't watch, but I just kept seeing it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch any like romantic or dating reality shows before the pandemic. So that tells you where I'm at a little bit. Um, <sighs> but things that like involve like my senses, I guess, you know, I, like are tactile and that's been really important to me as well. Yeah. You know, I actually, I started doing a puzzle earlier this week and I'm not anywhere close to finish, but just to be using my hands and, you know, trying to figure out where these pieces go for like 30 to 45 minutes before bed has really helped me feel tired. And for me, like that's my indicator of what my nervous system is like. If it's, you know, 1030, which is like the normal time I'm like trying to get into bed and I'm not tired, then I know that I haven't done my regular practices throughout the day to help get me to that place of relaxation. Um, And puzzling has been awesome. It's been so fun. I love that perspective. That is, I love that. I'm definitely going to sort of check that out for myself, you know? Yeah. Well, and even when you are really hypersensitive and aware of, you know, how things affect you and how you react and all of that, they're still like tried and true. It's like, am I tired? Yes or no. You know, like there's no grayscale. There's no, you know, if or that. It's just like, oh, it's, it's a yes or no answer. So I put up a question on my Instagram stories about somatics and, you know, what to ask of you to pick your brain because this is such a fascinating topic to dive into that I don't, other than my own personal experience, have a ton of experience with. Um, And I realized, I hadn't even remembered this, but in yoga, uh, so many times I have heard the phrase that like, you know, we go into like a pigeon pose or a deep hip stretch and like your hips are where your emotion and your trauma is held. And I don't know like where that originated, but it seems like every teacher has just passed it down, you know, generations after generations. Is there, would you say like any truth to that? Yeah, there's definitely some truth to it. It's also definitely an overgeneralization, (laughs) right? So when we experience stress or in, in particular traumatic stress, which we can think of as just when something is really overwhelming for our system, it's like too fast, too much, too soon, You know, it could be something that we directly experienced. It could be something that we witnessed or heard about. Something where we didn't feel like we were able to effectively protect ourselves or sort of like move through that situation, that moment in time. What happens is that we're working from the lower parts of our brain, right? We're not using that prefrontal cortex necessarily. It goes offline as a way to allow fight or flight, for instance, to do what it needs to do. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to think like, oh my gosh, there's a man with an ax. Where should I go? Right? Your body's just like, get me the heck out of here. (laughs) When, and I think what, what's happening now is that we live in a world where, you know, in the trauma world, folks talk about trauma often um, in in the medical world, really, I guess, and in Western psychology as, something in the past, right? Post-traumatic stress disorder. But most of us experience actually pretty persistent stress or traumatic stress, right? Of course, there's the systemic and sort of like oppression um, experience, but we all sort of live in this world that's dominated by white supremacy, capitalism, colonialism, 
force mm-hmm. values, you know, work, work, work. So we are persistently stressed and we don't have time to like allow our stress response to complete and sort of integrate our experience, meaning that it it's completed and there's like a trust, a felt, maybe like a felt trust in our bodies around our ability to pr- protect ourselves, right? So mm. what our body does is it, it holds on to that moment when the prefrontal cortex was offline and we were in fight, flight, freeze, submit, whatever. It holds on to that moment because it essentially wants to create an alarm system that if we get close to that moment, whether like literally physically or emotionally, right. Or in our memory or whatever, that the alarm signal goes off. Mm -hmm. So that could literally be just being stuck in an anxiety state. Um, That could be experiencing, you know, um, persistent, like chronic muscle tension in certain areas where we weren't able to complete a certain movement or motion, right? And I think that's kind of what we're referencing in yoga when we say that. Um, And I know that, you know, yoga heavily uses the chakra system, you know, so I think there's Mm -hmm. some overlap there, right, in like indigenous and ancestral knowledge around sort of where we experience safety or rootedness in our bodies. Right, right. And then, of course, you know, we sit all the time, right? So that's an issue, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So I think it's it's a fair statement. However, it's different for everyone, right? A lot of people hold stress and um, chronic muscle tension or emotions or whatever in their hips, but for other people, it's in the jaw or the shoulders or the foot or all of it, right? Mm-hmm. And that area is also an area that our body's pretty sensitive about protecting, too. So I think there's also something pretty ubiquitous about how we, like, hold there, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think it's really powerful what you said, too, about like trusting ourselves. I think, um, yeah. you know, like especially like diet culture is all about like, oh, no, you can't believe your body. You know, it's not right. telling you the truth. You just need to ignore it and like shove it down. And I was actually, you know, in a conversation earlier today and they're talking about like, oh, yeah, just like trust your body. It will let you know what you need. And that alone was such a like, I can't even think of the word. It's just like transformative. I was like, oh, right. I can trust that my body is giving me the right signal, that it's not some form of trickery trying to get me to do the wrong thing. And then, you know, God forbid, take a nap or something, you know? Right. Our wellness industry and fitness, especially right now, is really built on actually external information and like our cognitive processing of it but this our bodies right (laughs) the data if we're just thinking about what we heard we should do Mm -hmm. yeah and like oh how do you feel right and like that's the ultimate ultimate question and so how would we go about whether it's um you know as far as like feeling super disassociated from your body for, you know, your entire life to just Mm -hmm. maybe struggling with like trusting yourself. Like how do we continue to deepen that relationship uh, Mm -hmm. with ourselves on, you know, all levels? Yeah. Slowly. It has to go slow. Um, You know, it's 30 
40, however many years of wiring, right? And, and a lot of that comes from a real, real protective, valid space. Yeah. I think that there are both things you can do on your own to, to resource, like whatever it is that you're maybe struggling with. But there's, there's also, I think, a really important role in a professional and really like having someone there with you, right? Because we all know like some things are just easier when we have somebody else helping us or guiding Always. us. Mm-hmm. And I think because we jump back into cognition so easily and confusion and not trusting ourselves, we need somebody to like kind of keep us in a space of exploration and trust. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I always tell people, you know, I mean, I actually had this conversation a lot in the somatics 101, somatic resourcing 101 class that I taught a couple times this week is like, you know, disassociation can serve a purpose and it can also, it can be feedback that maybe we're going a little too fast, right? Mm. It, It also can be a habit. It can be something that just shows up because our system's used to it. And actually we do have the capacity to be with our bodies and our emotions. It just takes time to sort of discern the difference between that. Like it's subtle, you know, there's like a slightly Mm -hmm. different texture to whether we're avoiding or whether that disassociation plays a real role. Yeah. So you're telling me there's not one exercise that just magically fixes it? (laughs) (laughs) No, No. but I think orienting yourself in space and time is a good first step. Looking Mm -hmm. around the room noticing where you are looking at your hand from the outside, you know, mm-hmm. be a, good, a good first step in just like priming your brain to notice more. Yeah. And I was, I'm reading a book right now about fascia and I'm in the chapter on fascia and the nervous system um, and the incredible role that fascia and your nervous system play together. Um, and so even these things, you know, for those listening, if you're thinking, oh, this seems like all just like in your head, even though it is in your body, like there are the structural and physiological things that like back this up. They are one in the same. You are yeah. a entire entire person, a whole being, you know, that there there can't be just the physical body without the mind, without the spirit, without all of them coming together. Yeah. I mean, we have been sold an idea that we are creatures of self-determination. And in so many ways we are, we, we have the most self-determination of nearly any animal or like species on earth. Right. But Mm. we're also still animals with a body that kind of has a mind of its own. Yeah. You know, now, um, I'm thinking too of like the stress cycle and just like tapping into more of that mammal stuff, right? Because that's ultimately what we are. One of the practices that I've been really leaning into um, more so in the last year is like therapeutic tremors and intentionally inducing some tremors to like literally shake the energy out. And I know you mentioned some shaking too. Like, how does that work? What exactly is happening? Yeah. So I'm definitely not an expert here. Um, There are people who, right, who train in like tension or trauma release exercises or tenticulation. um, And that is not something I've had specific training in, but here's, here's what I have been trained in. 
um, in my sensory motor psychotherapy training, if, if we go back to what I was talking about earlier about fight or flight and, and not being able to complete fighting or flighting, <laughs> right? Fleeing the ah, situation. Yeah, yeah. And we think about like, okay, so there's this activation that comes into the body, right? There's these hormones and neurotransmitters, all this stuff going on, right? There's all this, this act, activity in our body. If we don't use it, then that energy can get stuck, right? And like chronic tension, mm-hmm. and then depression or whatever. And so there's a really great video out there that I've never been able to relocate after my training where they show a polar bear who was stunned down. And as the polar bear is coming to, he starts like his legs are shaking like he's running, right? He's like trying to complete that flight response that he's having, but he's also like half knocked out. (laughs) His body's just doing it though, right? It's it's not like he's thinking like, I got to run, I got to run, I got to run. So and that's sort of like my understanding of it, um, right? And, And so... Like I, I had tried at one point on my own some some tension relief exercises where you're sort of like in bridge until you start yeah. shaking. Yeah, and, and that's a way that you're allowing that that process to move through the body. So that's about like my I'm sure somebody can speak way more in depth on it, but that's my understanding of it. I was gonna say that that brings clarity for me too, so I appreciate it. Yeah. So what I do is sometimes with clients, if we're doing trauma processing, we can work up to noticing impulses in their body and sort of slowly following those impulses. And sometimes then what happens is involuntary shaking and we stay with that and kind of see what it wants to do. Um, But also sometimes like I just instruct people if they're anxious to literally just get up and shake around, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. shake everything. Yeah. Now I'll do that. Um, also like, I don't know, it's like a hum or even like a grunt, you know, of just like, mm-hmm. uh, like that kind of noise. And when you get that vibration, so it's speaking mm-hmm. to you know, the vagal tone and helping with yeah. that for a long, long, long time when I was in an anxious state, cause I was about to do like a phone call with someone or, you know, something that you do have to be like higher energy. I remember trying to like sit down and meditate and that was like yeah. not the right pairing for me for that moment. Right. At all. And exactly. so if you are feeling too, like in that agitated state, like definitely get up and move. I love these tips. Um, yeah. what about breathing? Cause I know you mentioned that breathing, um, I was, I was scrolling through your Instagram that breathing isn't always your best tool. Um, mm-hmm. So can you, especially when it comes to like, you know, finishing off the stress cycle, like mm-hmm. tell me more about that. Yeah. So what happens if I ask you, what do you like pay attention to your breath? What do you notice about your breath? Mm, that it's, yeah, no, for me, like I have no problem dropping into belly breathing and my breath is typically, you know, smooth and even. Yeah, but I'm hearing too, there's like a little, there's at least a part of you, right? Who's like, oh, go into bed, belly breathing, change yeah. the breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But breathing is actually, I think, one of the things that we can use instead of changing it automatically is noticing where the breath is and taking that as like information. Right. Mm-hmm. 
about like where our nervous system is, if it's, if it's feeling regulated or if it's feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So it's just really wild. I think it's such a whole, like, at least, you know, in the West now where we're all suddenly obsessed with breathing and yoga and meditation and stuff, I think like we all do that. I mean, we will all say, okay, pay attention to your breath. And then you immediately slow down, right? You put on yeah. your, your Zen hat <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> And so I think we've got to like learn how to pay attention to our breath. And I think that takes time to unlearn your automatic reflex of changing it. But the other thing is, right, so we can change our nervous system state through the breath, but we can also change the breath through movement. So, you know, again, if the body gets the chance to move and complete the stress cycle that way, then the breath is generally going to return to its most normal pattern of breathing, which is not necessarily deep breathing. Deep breathing plays a certain purpose in certain movement practices, spiritual practices, cultural practices, but to breathe well, we just need to breathe soft in and out through the nose. Don't think about it too much. Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating too, because I remember when I was, you know, teaching group classes or even participating in group classes, and one of my instructors would say, you know, just observe your breath. Like that was the only cue. And right away, it's like you want to perform and, you know, do well, obviously it should be belly breathing, right? And so even just this idea of like, oh, no, 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 just, just watch it. Just let it, yeah. let it be. Like yeah. I, I will be using that in my own personal practice. Like I know I have lots of, fun things to discover with that. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I'm still somebody that A, struggles with, you know, I, I'm somebody who lives more on the anxiety end of things, right? So I'll, I'll sometimes struggle with like not breathing or like breathing too mm-hmm. much, right? And then I do, I, I even will try to change my breath when I notice it. It's like just your body doing, you know, what it thinks it's supposed to do. Like, oh, okay, you want me to notice my breath? <laughs> Let's do right. it. So I just, no shame to anyone out there who's like, oh, I can't stop changing my breath. (laughs) (laughs) No, and it's almost, uh, because I remember too, like the first yoga class, you know, being instructed like, oh, breathe into your belly. And I was like, well, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. And that was a process to learn that. And now it's like, okay, but let's learn also of just, like you're saying, observing your body just Mm -hmm. in its natural state, like wherever that may be. And then adding on to that without judgment, which is probably the hardest part. Yeah. And like belly breathing has a place, right? It is soothing. It stimulates the vagus nerve, but it's not how we're going to breathe most efficiently all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to go lift a couch, um, you know, and breathe into your belly. Exactly. Uh, well, I guess just thinking of like wrapping things up, like what would be the thing that's helping you the most right now? Like I know you mentioned movement, but is there anything else that's really helping you stay connected and grounded since I know that you have to show up and be mm-hmm. that support for so many other people? So mm-hmm. how do you find that for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned earlier, like I've been painting, doing art is like, one of the only ways that my brain shuts off. Like I, I, I used to have a meditation practice and every now and then it feels right seated meditation, but 
for the most part, like I'm very um, fidgety and <laughs> always thinking and very generative in my mind. So mm-hmm. um, painting, you know, I luckily, I mean, I live alone, but I share a, a bubble with my parents, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, spending time with my dog. Just I'm really working on this winter, really trying to feel into satisfaction with like the simplicity of things you know so I'm definitely one who loves excitement I mean most of us do so I'm just trying to remember that this is hopefully at least in the U.S. the last winter that we will have like this and and trying to embrace it which I know is a huge privilege but try to not resist it too much (laughs) yeah well that satisfaction in the simplicity I think that that bliss state, you know, I really, really love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one. It's more of a practice than somewhere yeah. I am most of the time. <laughs> well, and I think that's true for, again, body, mind, or spirit. It's all just a practice. There is no yeah. pinnacle that you reach. You're like, sweet, I'm done. Now I can just hang out. You know? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. If that would be boring. What would we do then if it were all just yeah. boring? <laughs> So tell us a little bit more about your Somatics 101 classes, because I know you mentioned it. Where can people sign up? Like, what's what does it involve? Yeah. So, you know, I'm a therapist. That's what I do most of the time. I work with individuals and with couples and non-romantic partners as well and do coaching for helping professionals. But most of my career and adult life has been in the health education world and So uh, I run a number of different like programs through my business Um, right now. Yeah. The one that I'm, I just launched is called Somatic Resourcing 101. And that's an opportunity for people to learn the basics. It's definitely a jam packed hour, um, Mm. but it's, you know, one way to, I mean, Somatics is something, you know, you've got to revisit it a lot too. So I think it's a great primer or a great sort of refresh for people who want to, know more about how the mind body right are one the nervous system different tools for resourcing yourself when you feel overwhelmed or dysregulated so yeah i'll be running that again probably on a monthly basis but i also might morph into a like four-part series so people should stay tuned i do sliding scale there are free tickets um usually sponsored position for Black, Indigenous, and people of color to attend. And it's, it's really nice. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And then more information on your website? Yeah, rootsarise.com. Rootsarisesomatics.com, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then what would you say is your social media platform of choice? I, I think I have an, an answer, but I want to yeah, hear from you. Instagram for sure. Um, Heck yeah. I'm like, I have a Facebook, but I don't ever look at it. So just Follow me on Roots to Rise Somatic. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom with us. I know I have many things to continue to ponder about, and I definitely just want to go move my body. <laughs> so thank you so, so, so much for sharing with us today. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did sitting down and chatting with Raina. Uh, Just everything about her is so grounding and relaxing, and I'm really grateful that we were able to get together today. 
Now, if you want to work with her, definitely go check out her class on somatics. You can find more information about that over on her Instagram and her website. And if you enjoyed today's episode, like definitely do a reshare, send her a DM, let her know what you learned and what today's conversation meant to you. Now, moving a little bit more into more of the physical realm, if you want to learn how to get stronger without getting hurt, I mentioned this on last week's episode, but I am teaching a free class this weekend about how to plan for pain, about the foundations of good movement, all so that you can enjoy life without pain. Plus, the doors for Movement Mavens are officially open for enrollment right after our class. So if you are ready to dive in into moving smarter, getting stronger, getting more flexible, and getting out of that injury cycle, head on over to aewellness.com slash get strong to snag your spot. It all starts January 23rd. I'll see you there. So what was the most impactful nugget you took away from today's episode? I know I have a lot to think about of just observing my body and using that practice of observation as a way to trust myself even more. But I'd love to hear what you got from today's episode. So send me a DM, tag me on Instagram. I'm at Hala for Mala. Uh, definitely include Raina on that. Or you can call the Body Nerd Hotline at 818-396-650. And don't forget that show notes, fun links, free downloads, the Body Nerds group, and all things live over at aewellness.com slash podcast. And thank you for taking the time to listen today. I know that there's a lot going on in the world and you probably have a million places to be. So I appreciate you being here with us today. And I hope you got some fun movement in as you were listening, or at least you got something happening later. Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button and it would mean so much to me if you left a review or left some stars on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this show on. It makes it easier for other body nerds to find the show or just share it with someone who needs to hear what we talked about today. Share it with someone who needs a little bit of help of getting grounded and de-stressing when everything else is so, so much. So here's to asking better questions, moving more, watching our breath, and getting nerdy. And thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool and that you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks, and body work is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it. I've put together a free PDF with the six places you need to roll right now for quick relief. Plus, the reason why what you've tried so far has only given you a temporary fix. So whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, I've got you covered. And when you download it now, I'll also send you some video demos to get you started even faster. Head on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork, that's B-O-D-Y-W-O-R-K, to get started today.